Hello and welcome to Good to Know Shreveport Bossier, a podcast show catching the good things happening in our community. I'm Terry Simmons and this is my co-host Paul Reeser. And I'm sitting in for Jeff Feinfor, in case you listen to this all the time. So, now Paul is a local businessman and member of the Committee of 100. Each podcast will focus on topics and initiatives that are having a positive impact in our community, as we said, with new episodes available every other Wednesday. And you can find Good to Know wherever you listen to podcasts. So, uh, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Paul, I'm going to let you go ahead and introduce our <laughs> guests because I have been talking to you nonstop since no. we sat down. So, let's go ahead and get started. Well, thanks, Terry. Good to see you again. I Thank would, you. I've been almost kind of hoping every week. I'm like, is Jeff's not back? Is he? I mean, is Jeff back? No. Uh, we <laughs> hope he'll be fun. back soon. No, it's been fun. Um, and uh, the, something I'm proud about with our podcast, and we have done a good job of uncovering what people keep saying. That's the best kept secret. That's the best kept secret. And today, no exception, another best kept secret. Something that's fantastic in our community uh, that is surprising to people when they find out about it. And we have uh, what's the name of it is let me find it i don't even have my deal i just know it's the north louisiana crime lab and it is a state-of-the-art uh forensics facility right here in shreveport and today we have the director mr joey jones come on hey <laughs> thanks nice for being here. here this is cool this <laughs> is uh, uh unexpected but uh I'm honored. I'm really, we are the best kept secret, so. Uh, well, we're going to talk about why it's the best kept secret and all the cool things that you guys do there. It's a lot like where CSI sends all their stuff to get fixed, but it's right here. And uh, why is it important to our community to have it locally? But I was looking, I was looking at your resume, Joey, and not only is it impressive, full of things I didn't know existed, but things I can't pronounce. <laughs> but some of your skills, you're a forensic toxologist liquid chromatography, mass spectrometry, the list goes on and on of things I have no idea, but this is a very, very specific uh, line discipline of study that you're in, right? Oh, absolutely. It, it <laughs> makes it makes your testimony in court sound really impressive oh. <laughs> when you can say them correctly. You're an expert. Uh, on occasion, you don't say it correctly. And but nobody work. knows. Um, no, I, I, I'm blessed in my career uh, as a forensic toxicologist, mm -hmm. someone who, who really studies poisons and the effects that it has on someone that mm -hmm. uh, that that's it's really been a blessing it's led me up to this point brought me to Shreveport and uh, we do we have an incredible facility yeah say that like I said so tell us a little bit about it and uh, why it's important here and then Terry can let can really get after you because she watches a lot of crime shows and she wants to know <laughs> right all I want to know all the, the things scene. right well it is uh, it, it really is probably the most impressive facility in the south I don't, I don't know if a whole lot of people realize it um, if I'm honest with you it's the only reason I came here and took the job uh, where I did you come from get someone as yeah. sharp as you here yeah, <laughs> besides Terry you. well I, I was really fortunate I'm somewhat of a <laughs> I guess I'm a transient uh, in that I've had a lot of different jobs throughout the United States my careers led me primarily in the state of Ohio and in Ohio as the crime lab director and also the director of toxicology there um, I started a private company with a colleagues with a couple of colleagues of mine out of Little Rock and uh, during that time I just continued to um, uh, provide court testimony and uh, lo and behold an opportunity came up here with a mm -hmm. director who had been in the position for 50 years and uh, he was approaching retirement and so our board of directors uh, asked if I'd be interested in the job and I came down and I saw it's 88,000 square foot facility uh, wow. located here in Shreveport and you could just see the possibilities of what this place could be. So easy decision and I'm glad I made it. Cool. That's fascinating. Can I come visit? You should. I want to see that place. <laughs> you should. It's great. Well, you have tons of, that's a brand, it's a very new facility and it's, it's lots of equipment and also there's 
a morgue in there, and there's you people shoot guns. You actually you can re, you can fire the guns to text the the ballistics on these weapons and all sorts of that. What all happens there? It, you're right. It, it's it's a playground for science, and mm. and and you do you you look at it almost like a blank canvas whenever you walk in. Uh, the laboratory has been around for over 50 years and okay. it's barely been an outreach in Louisiana because historically you, you, it's a long drive, still is, to Baton Rouge. And so to have one central facility in this state, it's kind of a logistical nightmare when you need the cases turned around fast. And so we were organized, we serve the northern 29 parishes and really the primary needs that we have are first DNA. You have to be able to do DNA evidence with all of the assaults that are happening in our communities. Um, firearms, uh, we hear about this every night, so we have a thriving firearms section. Uh, our largest section in the laboratory is drug analysis. Uh, this laboratory and Acadiana crime lab in the middle of the state will handle about 75% of all the drugs in Louisiana. Making sure, and this is important, this is where our laboratory really kind of crosses the lines from forensic testing to public health. Uh, you hear about fentanyl and all of the new different mm. varieties of drugs that are distributed, come out of China. We identify them. And if we didn't have this laboratory, you wouldn't know about it. And then really our newest mm. section is toxicology. Um, that's a growing area and a growing need. Prior to us doing this testing, everything from our community went to Pennsylvania. They wow. Put in a box, shipped to Pennsylvania. You could only imagine the nightmare in court whenever a prosecutor says, I've got to bring in somebody from where and fly them in. And so mm. this is an, a big outreach for us. So it, you talk about the expense and the time of flying someone in and also sending off everything for analysis. I would imagine for our area, it, it not only helps just in time, being able to be get things done more efficiently time-wise, but also more effectively cost-wise having you here. Oh, absolutely. I mean, usually whenever you ship cases out, what you're looking at is probably a thousand dollars of testing, but what you don't ever really think about is it's usually a couple of grand a day to bring someone back. And, uh, and so what you think is just a routine um, uh, case, it, it could cost the parish five grand uh, just, to, mm. just to try to prosecute that. So it adds up to keep it here. The laboratory is able to testify on a daily basis on a whim, we can be in almost any parish in the state, and, uh, and then we can keep the analysis under a few hundred dollars. That's incredible, really incredible. And I know you've been doing this a long time, this is what you do, yeah. and this is who you are, but does it still amaze you what you can find out and prove oh. through this toxicology and DNA and all the things, this you're probably just like, oh, this information, I'm so hungry for this information. It, does it amaze you? I'm glad, I'm glad you asked the question, because it's, um, I still feel like the young guy, uh, and I'm not anymore. Like some, <laughs> something happened overnight where you're not that <laughs> person weird. anymore. You look like the young guy. For you those do. of you not watching on the YouTube, which you need to go check it yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, right, you look. You still look young to me. Well, they keep me young. Uh, work, we right. work with a lot of young people, and uh, the it used to be so. Um, I guess maybe a primary used to be on the physical lab work. Mm -hmm. And as technology has changed and as things have gotten better, that's really just a part of it now. The second part is there's a lot of software that drives it. And mm -hmm. so things are always changing. I talked about the drug climate. Mm -hmm. uh, my career, th the fact that we even see fentanyl in a powder form, if you would have asked me that question 10 years ago, 
that's unfathomable. I couldn't imagine it. And, uh, and so it forces you to really stay cutting edge. Um, I always tell people, you know, for, for, as for my career as a toxicologist, I'm really lucky that I don't need this. You know, if things go bad, I can go work anywhere. But for, for drug addicts, they need that. So they're always reinventing things. Mm -hmm. And it, uh, it, we have to have talented staff to uh, stay on top of things. So what, what, are you, what is your, I don't know, so when I think about crime in the area, we definitely have been hearing more and more nationwide and locally about more and more crime, and it's, it's a scary thing, but what, in what place are you in the, in the drug solving uh, process? So I mean, if there's a crime that happens, at what point do you step in and, and lend your expertise? Well, ours technically is on the back end. You know, forensic science is unique in that it is, um, it's really the pursuit of truth. Mm -hmm. and, and so for us, our evidence speaks for itself. It either is something or it isn't something. Um, and so it always follows that we have to first have evidence. There has to be something collected. Mm -hmm. um, there's not a magic wand. And that's the unfortunate thing is that we want to solve every crime. We want to <laughs> always be beneficial for that. Um, there's a lot of effort that goes in on the front end from our, our colleagues in law enforcement to make sure that evidence by the time it even gets to us has been secured properly. And that's why uh, if you look at our website, if you look at our, uh, any of our mm -hmm. social media uh, accounts right now, we have videos for law enforcement showing them how you can properly package things. Because if it gets to us and it's been somehow tampered with, mm -hmm. there's nothing we can do with it. Yeah, I was gonna ask you that. There's got to be, um, coming from you, the source, I can't think of a better person or organization to tell someone how to initially approach a crime scene. You're, you're the one to listen to, to say, listen, this is how pure we need what you find. You're, you're right, and in fact, I think historically, that's what people thought crime labs were. We were the crime scene investigators. Mm -hmm. You got the cool jacket, <laughs> and uh, I've never had the jacket, by the oh, way. Oh, really, I'm, you I'm should waiting. get one. Uh, I might so just cool. make one. It looks so cool. Um, that we're, we're there, you know, you got the glasses on, and, and, and I think that used to be somewhat true. I call it like the Columbo effect. Yeah. That you had some person <laughs> that could do everything. Yeah. And, um, and, and really, forensics has transitioned into really natural sciences now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the training of law enforcement and good quality evidence practices, you're seeing on the front end that they can be properly trained and equipped to get us there. Um, but yeah, historic, and, and I say that we still see issues every now sure. and then. That's why we have to stay out. We, we teach a lot and that's our, well, our you staff. You have a lot of classrooms at your, at your facility, right? Where you, you teach people and, and give certificates or whatever. What, what, are, what are some of the things that you teach at your yeah, we, we do. Um, we, we teach a incredible amount. We have a, about a 75 person meeting room and, uh, and it was built to make this a training center. Uh, in fact, that's why it's called the Forensic Science Center. I don't know if in my time, I got here right before COVID, if we've mm -hmm. really ever gotten to embrace it mm -hmm. as what it could be yet, but we, we do our best, you know, I, I think if any of us have to do another Zoom training event at this point, we might lose <laughs> our minds. Um, but that, that was really the purpose, was to have a response, not for North Louisiana, but you know we're a few hours from Dallas. 
straight line over to Atlanta that you could have a single resource area here in Shreveport to bring law enforcement from all over the country. What a benefit during COVID you must have been. We just talked about Pennsylvania was all we had before. And then with all the restrictions that happened during COVID to have you here uh, must have been just phenomenal. Well, it, we, we got here. It, to be honest, it kind of served to really two purposes for us. We wanted to launch a program, which from a business perspective, launching a new line of business in COVID is a bad idea, <laughs> but you need time. And when you have an ongoing backlog and you're constantly trying to just get work done, you don't get to really give new programs a focus. And so um, that was something good that came out of that. We could launch toxicology testing. You could have a small sample amount to see if, is this really the best way to do this right now? And then build upon it. You know, now, now we're full steam ahead and we can handle a large caseload. Well, wh how, what's the volume of cases that you're working right now? I mean, there's, I think about how much I hear on the news. I can't imagine coming in from three quarters of the state. It, it's, it's incredible. Uh, our laboratory will handle over 15,000 cases this year from the Northern 29 parishes. Um, we also extend our net thousand. beyond yeah, 15,000, over 15,000. Um, what's crazy is we have a sta scientific staff of 19 wow. that do it. And so it's not like this is a hundred man operation. Um, uh, it's a small, small skeleton crew that we can operate with. And uh, it, it goes even beyond that. You know, we serve the Northern 29 parishes, but now we're extending into Baton Rouge Parish. Um, we have toxicology testing that we handle out of Jefferson Parish. And so we're, we really are going beyond. I think that as we continue to move forward in the years ahead, it's gonna be a lot, not only of this state, but the states that surround us. Yeah, because before you said, uh, I saw somewhere, we, we sent a lot of our uh, toxicology and so forth to Little Rock, and now we have it right here locally. So if we can't keep it here locally, then that's going to be a challenge. You're, you're right. It, it is a challenge. You know, I think even with our autopsy services outside of Caddo Parish in the mm -hmm. north, a lot of our um, forensic autopsies are sent out of state still. They still go to Little Rock. They go to Mississippi. Um, in fact, before I even got here, that was how I knew of this laboratory <laughs> was I was doing toxicology testing for this area. <laughs> and so... Uh, it's always kind of humorous the way things work yeah, out. Yeah, it is. But um, yeah, it, it would go to a private pathologist. They would set up their own contracts to do that testing. And um, that would even become even more costly than what I mentioned before of having to bring in a lot of different experts on a case. So tell us about one of your big cases you saw. What's something really interesting? Something around, that's what me and Terry are thinking. I wonder what they've done. What miracles have you done? What, you well, found something somewhere oh I, I, li I like the question because tell us the nightline story that you solved <laughs> well i'll give you the the classic kind of government line of we have to be cautious with things because there are individuals involved so i can't give you too many specifics but um i, I do i think the public in general would be misinterpreting the purpose of our laboratory if they only saw us as working for the prosecution or the sheriffs or the police. Mm, um, okay. That's really true. not true. Okay. And, and it'll lead it well into the example I'm gonna give you. Um, uh, our, our DNA section is a great example of this. They're on the second floor of our facility, top-notch team, some of the best scientists in probably the whole country. And they will spend probably equal amounts of time um, proving that someone didn't do a crime. 
than actually you know putting the pin on this mm. person and yeah. to be honest that can be quite frustrating for law enforcement and it was right before I got here there was a case locally here it was in Bossier and unfortunately there was uh, a female who was assaulted um, by someone and at that time um, they were able to collect evidence they submit it to our crime laboratory and meanwhile as the police start their investigation they have a suspect and so we have a sample of someone who was assaulted with the DNA of someone who assaulted her they have a suspect and they submit it to us as a reference our staff looks at this one case and they do not match nothing about this matches and specifically they said it's not the guy it's not the guy who did this crime and the police were not happy about it they went to the DA and said we're gonna charge him anyway the DA said you're crazy because you don't have the forensic evidence a few months later they upload or at that time they uploaded into our combined DNA indexing system it's called CODIS, CODIS runs you know sea to shining sea same guy commits a crime in Dallas and he they wow because we uploaded that into the combined DNA indexing system, it hits. They arrest the guy who's not a serial. Oh my gosh. And because of that, because of our work here, we're able to finally get someone who would have just continued to do this over and over and over again. Wow. Unfortunately, something bad had to happen twice, but because mm. of our network, and because of the net we can cast across, we can get somebody before they keep going. So it didn't match on <coughs> this particular female, because he didn't do this, but he he was a suspect, and then he did commit this with someone else, and because you had it in there, he was guilty of this with this well, other Well, really, person. it wasn't our suspect that they, they thought it was here. Oh, okay. It was someone who he picked up, left town, oh, he went to Dallas and did it again. The, other, the person who actually did it, not the suspect, the Correct. person who actually did and it And again. that person, you know, if we didn't have this laboratory, if we didn't have this staff, mm -hmm. if we didn't do the testing we did, Perhaps they would have been prosecuted, they'd be sitting in jail now or prison at this point, and they didn't do the crime. And, uh, and so you have to have that here. I always tell people, if we don't have a crime lab, criminal justice, criminal justice fails because you have to have evidence. Mm -hmm. And that's got to be the frustrating part. I always wonder that when you hear about these cases, you want to match the DNA, but if the person who you're looking for has not done anything to cause you have their DNA, they're not in the system, it's that, how do you, it, you just- It is, it's the tough part. Yeah. And, and for us as scientists, I, I, mm. I tell, I tell uh, our DAs, who are my bosses, <laughs> this all the time, I would give anything to put on my Superman cape and fly in and say, sure. this is it. Makes yeah. me look great. The hard, <laughs> the hard conversation is when it's yeah. not. Yeah, right. there's a lot of all evidence points to this guy, except for the DNA. So you're actually doing as much to save people, innocent people, from going to jail as you are putting bad guys away. You're absolutely right. And I mean, even in my career as a toxicologist, sometimes we just physically can't say that those drugs were the cause of a, a car crash. Or, or something like that. doesn't mean that it wasn't. It just means that scientifically we can't say it. And it, it, it creates frustration for us. But also it's got to feel really good that what you're bringing there, when you get called in, you're not saying it was the cause. You're not saying it's who did it. All you're saying is you are with the truth. You're saying this right here is this. It, you're absolutely right. That's and it. I think that, that's fundamentally yeah. what we train all of our scientists in is that your evidence will always speak for itself and you do not have to cross that line. And how, how small, I, I know I'm stuck on the DNA, 
I watched that in Unabomber. Who's the crime show that fan? Unabomber you said show. I was. So you're, I think, <laughs> Paul, you're the one. Well, you watch silly crime shows. I watch the documentaries. <laughs> but <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Um, I better hurry up and backpedal out of this one yeah. before there's another crime. Right yeah, here. you're going to have to. Uh, so how small of a, how do you get uh, DNA? I mean, what are some ways that you would never expect that the bad guys don't know? I mean, licking an envelope. I mean, how, how small of a sample of DNA can you get to it, make it, it work? It's surprising. I mean, I think even uh, probably a significant caseload that we have are, are here in Shreveport guns that are fired. Mm. And, and on occasion, you can actually get a good enough profile off of the, you know, the stock of the gun from the hand. Really? Just being there. And... Uh, those are complicated cases, but mm -hmm. it's not, I mean, you don't have to have pools of blood or anything <laughs> like that. Um, mm -hmm. it, it's really the technology that has evolved over the last years is, it, it's incredible. And, and so usually whatever evidence was used, the police will submit it. And then um, we, we do our best to pick what, what's the best one out of this. And it can even be like a fiber off of a jacket like we see or a, a well, hair or, you know. Th that would be cool. We don't do trace uh, yeah. evidence. But that's what um, that's called, trace evidence. It is, it is. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think anything that, that's physically there, it, it's, it's a potential for evidence mm -hmm. as long as it comes into contact with the right things. So what about other kind of crimes besides just murder? Like you mentioned, uh, you're doing a lot of uh, research into drugs now and drug abuse and fentanyl and yeah ab absolutely a huge problem in Louisiana throughout mm -hmm. our country you know you have I think we're all very familiar with the term opioid epidemic yes. yeah. um, what we're not talking about enough and this is always cyclical if you have an opioid problem you will have a stimulant problem and we see that in methamphetamine now um, from us to our colleagues down in Baton Rouge at the state police, Texas, and so on, you're going to see over the next few years that the number one case we're going to be reporting is actually methamphetamine. It's, it's probably no longer going to be marijuana as number one. It's methamphetamine. And, and in fact, you're starting to see that trend on our website. Uh, we launched a program last year where we, we kind of wanted to challenge ourselves and put our money where our mouth is but also be a benefit to the public so we built a program called LiveStat where as cases come into the crime laboratory as our analysts work them and then they release the report you can go to the LiveStat program and look at Bossier Parish look at Caddo Parish you can click on any given parish load the month and see the top 10 drugs and you're mm. starting to see methamphetamine just continue mm. to climb and climb and climb when you have a methamphetamine problem, you will then have a depressant problem. And so you're gonna see alcohol, you're gonna see right. benzos, and antidepressants really take uh, even more of a prominence. And it's just now this why cycle. why is that? Why does one follow the other? A lot of it's the pain, you know? Like mm -hmm. for someone, whenever they're taking uh, something like fentanyl or, or prescription opioids, they're taking it really for one intent, and that's to stop pain. When you stop pain, um, sometimes there's side effects. And the side effects that we hear about with fentanyl is your breathing gets slower, your heart rate's lower, your blood pressure drops so far that you could probably die. So we have Narcan, and it helps mm -hmm. to raise those. But for a drug user, if they don't have Narcan, and, and instead they need to raise their blood pressure, they need to raise heart rate, start breathing rapidly, methamphetamine gets you there. 
And so you do that to potentially stay alive. Oh, wow. <laughs> and then the come down off of that hurts. Uh, for the drug user, it's called the downside of methamphetamine. What goes up must come down. And the down, the fall from being that high really physically hurts. The dopamine that's in your brain that we hear about is gone. And because of that, you're just in dopamine depletion. If you presented to a doctor, you'd probably look very depressed potentially suicidal and so you need an antidepressant to help alleviate right. some of that it's just this vicious oh cycle gosh. instead of being under the care of a doctor you're seeing it on Google <laughs> and and people are just trying to function it's a it's a rough rough state that we're in this laboratory serves that purpose though and where we're trying to continue to educate our community we want to try to find hot spots where you could look at um, Washita Parish is a great example of this if you look at our state, PCP for the most part, not a problem. But Washita Parish has a little line of PCP. What's that from? Is it a particular drug dealer that has a line on something? Probably. But we can notify local personnel here that in Washita they've got a PCP problem. It's so unique. Do you find that because they arrest people that are under influence and they send in a drug, they send in a blood sample, or how do how are kind you kind of both of those? It, we see a lot of it in our DUI specimens, and so mm -hmm. whenever they collect at roadside uh, or through a court order, a blood draw, mm -hmm. um, or if it's just physically seized on the possession of someone who's committing a crime, and uh, and so it is. It's really unique. It's kind of a, a specialty to wash top. Is there any information or statistics that show why methamphetamine is so is growing at that rate? Is it because it's easy to make? Is it because it's easy to why is that well, why is that coming to the forefront? It's cheap. Yeah. It's dirt cheap, yeah. and uh, in fact, it's borderline free. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, several DEA agents that we work with. Our law enforcement that we have in the state, fantastic, and uh, they practically drug dealers are giving it away with the fentanyl. Of course. And uh, and so because of that, it's. It's, it's, it's almost like a buy one, get one free situation. Never in our existence has methamphetamine been this pure and this cheap. And uh, that's why you see it. And it's interesting <laughs> that it's pure, which is another reason someone might go to that because no one sets out to be dependent on it or to call themselves an addict. They're really just trying to relieve something. And this is pure, where you hear now marijuana is synthetic and that's dangerous, terribly dangerous, <laughs> more dangerous than the regular just marijuana. So there's all kinds of things that's being tampered with. No wonder they're it, going in a pure way to feel better. You're right. And, and as a toxicologist, it really makes the work that I do and our, and our toxicologists difficult because uh, no one does just one drug. Right. In these situations, we're talking about one person that's probably going to test positive for three, and that's what you do see in our state. You see with our just our DUI specimens, three plus drugs is normal. And so you you look at a report and they're like, well, what what were they high on? I don't know. Pick one. I don't know. That's mm -hmm. why, you know, Louisiana is blessed. Again, we have a, a state with a very strong drug recognition expert program. These are law enforcement officers that uh, are specialty trained. They go through a very rigorous curriculum. Then they're released where they have blood pressure cuffs. They've got heart rate monitors. They can look at the eyes and they can see at that point when we pulled this guy or gal over, mm -hmm they had signs of depressants. And so then if I can look at that report, I'm like, oh, I know because we had this almost clinical observation uh, at the roadside, it's a real benefit to our community. I hope it's a lot of responsibility on the officers 
now they have to also do <laughs> blood pressure checks and but so and this brings me and oh man I should start talking about this earlier is is where does the money for for this facility come from how how do you get paid how yeah, you said it was six hundred dollars a test and it'd be a thousand if we sent it off or whatever how where do you get funding for that that's always always the tricky thing I think if you googled our laboratory the laboratory over its whole history has uh, had a, a very unique stream of funding and there's bad times there's maybe good times mm -hmm. um, since I've taken over it's been really a, a terrible time to be <laughs> honest with you um, the laboratory receives I mean I shouldn't have laughed at that that was <laughs> well, no. since I took over it's we, been terrible since it's congratulations been, it's been great yeah, yeah. We, we all have our merit badges <laughs> um, the, the laboratory is uniquely financed by Louisiana statute where we receive it's very similar to your public defenders we're financed by court costs and so we're not, specifically the Attorney General has said that we're not an arm of the state. We operate like a political subdivision, but we're not a political subdivision. So because of that, we don't receive any funding on an annual basis from the state of Louisiana. It's strictly on court fees. That's great if you have a lot of court cases. It's better if they remember to pay you on that. But it's a bad mm. idea whenever you take on all the front costs to do the testing in hope. And, uh, and so I, I think it was last year I, I spoke in front of our legislature and I said for us it's, and I, it's a lot like operating the First Baptist Church. Uh, we go to the mailbox every day and courts send us checks. And that's hopefully what we, what we need to get. But on average for us it costs us $6 million to run our facility. Um, across 29 parishes, it is a, a deal. Honestly, it costs us less than $400 a case to operate. We just don't get that back in. Complicating that was COVID. Because COVID, they shut down courts, cases didn't go to mm -hmm. trial. And so it's been really, really trying. We've had uh, a lot of key people step up to keep us floating, uh, donations. Uh, the city of Shreveport gave us $400,000 about a year and a half ago. If we didn't have that, we would have let everybody go. We had to. Hmm. And so it's been, it's been uh, I think people haven't realized that it's an antiquated system. It's got to change. And, uh, and we need a lot of legislative support to help make those changes. Well, because like, in my mind, as a, as a capitalist hamburger flipper for my whole life, you, I give you a hamburger, you give me, you know, three dollars or whatever so I, I would think that it's like we need you to do a test we're gonna pay you and it, whether it's the state police or whether it's the local court but but it doesn't work that way right it, it doesn't uh, and you you and I both see eye to eye I mean t uh, coming from a background of contract testing mm -hmm. that, that's how you would do business you'd pay up front mm -hmm. for the request and then we do the test and I mean that's something we could certainly set up um, mm -hmm. I have a board of directors that is from all 29 parishes and if that's the route they would want to mm -hmm. go um, we're prepared but then you have another challenge and most of the cases probably come from the poorest parishes. So they don't have the money in their sheriff's office or police department to pay for all the tests. So You're right. It's I a think challenge. What, how are you going to fix this? <laughs> right. <laughs> Paul wants to know. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, that's a, what, what we have done mm -hmm. in the time that I've been there, is, is I feel very comfortable about this. In fact, it's this week. Um, the American Society of Crime Lab Directors meets once a year and uh, they have a project that they call Project Foresight. 
And with this, it's business metrics that are applied to crime labs. Mm. And they make an award each year to the laboratories that are operating fiscally the wisest in terms of wow. payroll, mm. personnel, cost of analysis, caseload. Last year, we were ranked number 13 in the country. And this year, we will be in the top 10 of laboratories that are operating on lean practices. And so I feel comfortable telling you. Congratulations. Oh, it's cool, isn't yes. it? Yes. <laughs> but I, it gives me some firepower. If mm -hmm. I sit down with a legislator, one of our senators and representatives, I can really look them in the eye and say, you're getting a deal right mm -hmm. now. And we are. We're operating on a very lean, lean lab. Uh, labs that have this kind of caseload usually have somewhere around 75 or 100 employees. We have 19. Mm. And, uh, and so I, I, we're doing things right, everything we can business-wise. We just mm -hmm. need a little legislative help. It is a challenge because they don't have the money. They don't want to give more money. I understand from their point of view. But if, if your lab doesn't make it, then we start sending stuff to other states and the, and the costs do go up because they won't do it. <laughs> they <laughs> will require cash. So it is a big challenge, and hopefully the, the legislatures can work on it because you guys aren't only just putting bad guys away. You're keeping innocent people safe. You're right, Paul. And the last thing we want to have in our state is, is backlogs. Yeah. And even if we have another lab in the state that could do this testing, mm -hmm. to hire new personnel for them, it takes a year to train them. You would just continue to almost kick a can down the road. And they'd mm -hmm. say, oh, that's why 50 years ago we made this lab. Yeah. Well, Jeff's not here to tell us we're about out of time, but... <laughs> I think we are, but what, what, so what do you want the community, what do you want people to know about your lab? I mean, I'm so glad that you came on to tell it to us. Yeah. So you have all of our listeners out there and watchers, what, what information would you like to share? Well, well, really, I'd like to share two things. I got to share live stats, so that's great. I mean, I'd love for the public to know that you can go on our website. We're on social media. We have Facebook. We have Instagram follow the laboratory because we actually are trying to provide usefulness for our community and do that and look at look and see what these dangerous drugs are in your in your communities educate your kids on mm. what not to do and uh, and, and then the, the second thing even in spite of us having a low staff level we're committed to research in the state of Louisiana um, right now going on in partnership with the state highway safety office um, and, and in fact, it's the St. Charles Parish Sheriff's Office, way out of our service <laughs> area. We're launching an oral fluid testing program where we're looking at solving uh, for uh, DUIs in our community and impaired driving. Instead of having to, you know, be invasive and go get a blood draw at the, at the hospital, can we collect oral fluid, evaluate it on a roadside and not have to actually go through this entire process? And uh, we're in the pilot right now. The results are incredible. And I mm -hmm. think for Louisiana down the road, there's going to be a much better way for us to handle these cases. So That's amazing. So just clarify that. So if a person, if you pull, if an officer pulls a driver over and they're like, well, they're definitely under some kind of influence, but it's obviously not alcohol, they can, you're piloting a test where they can just spit in a vial basically and you can find out what kind of drugs they're on exactly it's almost it's kind of like a pregnancy test it's a <laughs> wand that they <laughs> yeah, put they and swab. it turns blue when we've collected enough the officer would just put it right in the tube snap it and bring that to the laboratory and so gone are the days where we have to hunt down nurses and say please take this blood yeah because otherwise run. you would have to get a court order it would take hours and you would have to draw that person's blood on the side of the road or so forth Is that and how paul that and as we talked about that's where evidence starts getting lost yeah 
is the longer the thing takes, the more our bodies have the ability to eliminate a drug mm. or substance. And it's the truth. I mean, the yeah. DNA, yeah. the process, the test, the, the don't lie. That's it right there. This, yeah. It is what it is. You right. do that. So, right. so great things for Louisiana. What an incredible service. Yeah, Thanks, thank man. you so much. No. I know you go above and beyond to make this happen on your budget, so well, well done. We love it. And, and the truth is, I, I love Louisiana. This place is home. I don't. We don't want to move again, so th this is this is going to be home for us. <laughs> Food's too good here. <laughs> yeah, well, we're certainly guys. happy you're here, and thank you for being here today too. I hope that this information um, gets out, and the more people know about you, the more that we can maybe get some funding. And uh, appreciate everything that you do. Thank you so thank much. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Absolutely. And thank you for joining us for this podcast of Good to Know Shreveport Bossier. It's brought to you by the Committee of 100 and KTBS TV. Remember to tell everyone you know about this podcast, especially this one's been really fascinating as we will have new content every Wednesday morning. For more information, check us out at goodtoknowsv.com. Have a great day and let's all continue to make Shreveport Bossier the best it can be. We'll see you next time.